Hello and welcome to the first episode of Just Be Better, Your Physio Begs You. I am your host, physiotherapist Erin Cruz. Welcome to my podcast where I'm sharing all the things your physio wishes you knew and how to be better at understanding your health. Listen along to become more health literate and to wrap your head around some of the weird, wonderful and sometimes confusing things that our bodies do. I want you to use this podcast as the inspiration to learn more about your body so you can be better informed when dealing with the health whoopsies that do happen in life. This information is for educational purposes only. Please visit your physio or health professional if any of the content seems relevant to you. This episode is covering arthritis, specifically osteoarthritis. Now, just so we are all on the same page, here is the definition according to Arthritis Australia. Arthritis includes damage to the joint cartilage, and this may include the growth of bony spurs at the edge of a joint. With arthritis, you can have inflamed tissues broadly around the joints, as well as getting deterioration of the ligaments and tendons that surround the affected joint. Now, one of the telltale signs of arthritis is going to be pain and stiffness in the morning or after a period of rest. So people will be saying that their pain is worse when they first get up and take a few steps, but it will shortly reduce and get to a manageable level again. It sounds a little bleak. I've got to say the definition on paper is not exactly friendly. But does it mean that if you are told you've got arthritis that you need to quit your social soccer club, you can't play with your children anymore? No, not necessarily. We need to change our mindset regarding arthritis and who it affects, as well as how we can manage it so we don't have to live in drudgery and sadness once we get diagnosed with arthritis. Arthritis is in fact evidence that you have lived. One pain science writer described arthritis as kisses from time. According to the Australian Bureau of Statistics, about 15% of the population has arthritis in some form. Of that, more than half are osteoarthritis and the remainder are different varieties such as rheumatoid arthritis, and that may be covered at a later date because it does have a different presentation. With arthritis, we do know that people get it more and more as they age, and apparently it is more common in women. If we look at the numbers, we can see that people less than 45 years, only about 2% of them are getting arthritis, whereas over the age of 65, it's more than half of the population. What most people might be surprised to learn is arthritic changes are already there in your 20s. What does that mean? It means that there's been literature reviews have been done and they've looked into arthritic changes, which is the changes in the body. In people who are asymptomatic, so people who are not describing any pain or disability. In these studies, they found around about 20% of people under the age of 40s that had some evidence of arthritis themselves. If they looked into disc bulging, which often goes hand in hand with spinal degeneration and with back arthritis, around about 70% of people in their 40s had some evidence of disc bulging. And around about 40% of people in their 20s also had some disc bulging and degeneration. That is absolutely wild. The census shows that about 2% of people under the age of 45 have been diagnosed with arthritis, but potentially 70% of people in their 40s even have some evidence of showing wear and tear associated with arthritis. Well, if they're not complaining of having any pain, 
What's up with the scans? That doesn't really match. It's a common finding in physiotherapy world especially where the damage, quote-unquote, in a scan, it doesn't always match up with a patient's experience. People might walk in and they're going to show me a scan showing that they have disc bulges, they've got facet joint degeneration and all of these things, but when it comes down to it, there are other factors that are influencing their particular pain. What are these factors? It can be a lot of different things. It could be the strength in the muscles, how flexible someone is, their access to healthcare as well. If someone is able to come in and have an appointment on a semi-regular basis, they are likely going to be in a better position than someone who is never able to come in and see the physiotherapist. If someone has a family member who has arthritis and they've heard nothing but bad stories from them, that's going to be a different experience to someone that's never really heard about arthritis and isn't that bothered by it. So we can see that in terms of arthritis, it's more than just what does the scan show and how much pain do you have? There are quite a few different factors at play. The main thing I want people to understand is that degeneration is normal. It is perhaps not the most glamorous part of life, but it is a normal part of life. Let's consider a picnic table. You buy one brand new and it is shiny, it is smooth, it's well varnished and it just looks top notch. You use it. It sits outside over a period of months and years. That table is no longer going to look as shiny and as special as when you first got it. It might have a few splinters, the varnish has faded, whatever else might have happened. But at the end of the day, the picnic table is still functional and you can still use it. That's what's happening in your body. Over time, it may get a couple of splinters. It might not look as wonderful as when you were perhaps a small child, but you can still use your body. It just might need a little bit of TLC. Part of that TLC is going to be learning the management strategies and the things that you can be doing to improve your pain experience. What do you mean pain experience? Pain's not an experience. It just happens, right? Not quite. Pain is in fact an output. A lot of people tend to imagine pain as being an input. You whack your hand against a pole and that's going to send pain signals up to the brain. That's not exactly how it works. How it works is you'll bash your hand against a pole. The sensation, perhaps it's pressure, heat, chemical, whatever it may be, that's going to get sent up to the brain. Once it's in the brain, it's going to be looked at by all the different sections. It'll go through memory. It's going to look at your stress, the social context of where you are. And then the brain is going to decide whether pain is the response it wants or not. It might be that the brain looks at it and says, I've hit my hand. Do I want to feel pain? Yes, I can see there's a number of poles coming up. If I have pain, I might move my hand and I'm not going to continue to damage the area. Good stuff. But that's not always how it works. That in itself is quite a complex discussion and I do want to talk about that in a future episode. But for now, the main thing to consider is that pain is not an input. Pain is an output determined by the brain, depending on a number of different factors. It's quite a complex thing, and I will talk about that in the future. Okay, we've, we've got our heads around that. Pain does not equal damage. Fine, we acknowledge it for now. But if that's the case, why am I so sore all the time? 
As I said a bit earlier, there are a number of different factors that can be influenced by arthritis that we'll talk about. Number one, it might be the muscles surrounding your affected joint, let's call it the knee, that are going to be a little bit weak and inflexible. It might be that the joint itself is a bit stiff and it might be that over time you've started to develop some protective patterns. If you were to get something like surgery straight away, the issue with that is it's going to fix the local damage. Perhaps it'll be, again, a knee replacement. It's going to swap the knee joint out, get rid of those damaged joint surfaces, and it should be perfect, right? Not quite. What happens in the instance of surgery is it will replace part of it, but it's not going to affect the other factors, such as your weak muscles, such as the stiffness in the joint. Again, if we look back at the definition of arthritis, it isn't localized just to the joint. It can be inflammation in the tissues and deterioration of ligaments and tendons, and those can't be fixed surgically with great results. Surgery is probably better used in the late stage, after you've tried everything else, or in the few instances where there's something really cooked. It might be there's, again, in a knee, perhaps part of the meniscus is in the way, so when you try and move, it can't because there's a bit of free-floating meniscus around. That is one of the smaller instances of where surgery can be appropriate early stage. Perhaps you've been cottoning on. If pain doesn't equal damage, if surgery isn't always the best option, well, what can we do? It is exercise. I am so sorry. No one ever wants to hear that. They do say that if exercise were a pill, it would be the most highly prescribed pill in the world. But again, it doesn't make it any easier to do when you're just not feeling motivated. But let me try and get you on board with it. If we consider a joint, there is the passive support and the active support. The passive support might be considered as the shape of the joint and the ligaments. Imagine like your hip, a ball and socket joint. It's going to be nice and stable. The ball is going to fit neatly into the socket. The ligaments act as elastic bands around that joint and it's going to add a little bit of extra stability without you needing to actively do anything. Where the muscles come in is they're like the dynamic support and if a muscle is nice and strong it is able to provide a lot of support. So in the instance of wear and tear, sore knees, back, hip, whatever the story might be for you, the issue is Your joint is perhaps not in the best condition. If the muscles can be made stronger, it is going to reduce the load on the joint, which is going to, in theory, decrease your pain. And then by having stronger muscles, it's going to increase your function, which is how much you can be doing. With that and exercise, there are a number of different focuses that we want to have. Number one is going to be strength. We're wanting to work on the pure strength of the muscles surrounding your affected joint. As well as that, we want to work on the mobility. Mobility is how much movement the joint itself can do. How happy is the joint to be moving through its full potential? And that's flexibility of muscles as well as the flexibility of the joint itself. Finally, we want to work on your proprioception, which is fancy word for how your body knows where it is in space. If we imagine that you've got a really jacked knee, you haven't been using it for a while you're not necessarily going to have the best input from that area about detecting its movements. The brain is almost switched off to wanting to find out what's happening there because it's just too hard. So we need to work on your strength. 
the mobility and flexibility of that joint and the muscles. And then we need to get the brain interested in that area again. So you understand where you are without needing to look down at it. Basically, by doing all of this, we're hoping to recalibrate your brain to care about this area again, to not be concerned about getting input from this area. And we're also wanting to calibrate you in such a way that you're happy to move normally. The issue with protective movement, so if someone's going to limp, in the short term it's helpful because if you limp it might take a bit of weight off a sore part of your body. But long term it has more issues and it's going to lead to more complications that we just don't want to have to deal with. Now I've sort of spoken about this a little bit anyway with the knee, but just for simplicity's sake I'm going to talk through a case with a knee and just explain the context of what might be happening here. So you come in and you have a sore knee. You tell me that it hurts when you walk. It hurts to run and it hurts when you bend all the way down. Because it hurts to do those things, you haven't been using your muscles as much. And it means that the muscles themselves become weak and inflexible. Because you haven't been moving a lot, the joint and the capsule in your knee stiffens up so it's really hard to move it. Because you've been sore for a while, you've got all these protective movements. You limp a little bit. And it means that your ankles and your hip and your back are also a little bit sore just because you've had to start walking funny. If you get surgery now, you could have some good results, but you're likely going to have a really slow and painful recovery because you kind of went in with pretty bad condition. It hurts. So how are you going to exercise? How can this possibly happen? Well, let me tell you. The first thing is you want to unload the knee. You want to take a bit of weight off it just so there's not as much load going through. It might be that's through hydrotherapy because we weigh less in water. Or it might be just using the gym machines with really light weight so there's not as much happening. We start with small weights and we start with small range of motion. Slowly we build up and we try and work through a greater range of mobility. And we also want to get you strong in all of those positions. Over time, we decide, let's add in some flexibility and strength work for your ankles and your hips, because funnily enough, if you've got stiff ankles, it really puts pressure through the knee when you go downstairs. And if you've got weak hips, again, it loads up the knee in places we just don't want. Over time, we might start working on the really challenging movements, such as bending all the way down or again, going downstairs. Over time, we also want to work on that proprioception. So we get you doing single leg exercises or balance exercises just so you can build your confidence in the knee. It might be that weight loss is helpful if someone is overweight. And the idea behind that is it's going to reduce the load going through your knee. There are many other factors that I've just talked about that have a lot more influence because I've certainly seen a number of very small women with a lot of knee pain where weight loss is not going to help them. This process of building your strength and working on your mobility, it takes time. It might be that surgery is still going to be on the table for you, but it means if that does need to happen, you will be going in with great condition. You will have strength, you will have movement, and once you get out of surgery and the hospital physio comes knocking at your door the second you open your eyes, you're going to have a much better time getting through that process. So what are the take-home points? The main things I want you to remember are this. Degeneration in your joints is a common and normal part of life. The arthritic changes start happening well before any painful symptoms begin. 
Pain is not actually linked to the level of structural change in your joints. Pain is in fact an output from your brain and it's determined by a lot of different factors. The disability people experience in arthritis is more linked to that loss of strength, flexibility and overly protective movement patterns. Surgery could be considered ideally after you've already tried a robust exercise program that aims to improve your impaired functions of strength, flexibility, etc. The idea is that you're going to improve your capacity to do these tasks so that you can participate more in life. If you've been told you've got arthritis, this doesn't have to mean ongoing pain or disability. It will take some effort, but working alongside your health provider, you can make a structured plan to address your limitations and work towards better function and participation in your life. You can't turn back the clock, but you can work to keep yourself at a physical level so you can keep doing what you enjoy and you can do what is important to you. All right, that is episode one on arthritis. Thank you for listening. It's been really great having you along. Tune in for next episode, which will be coming out in a fortnight, and that is going to be on the difference between tone and tone or the difference between flexibility and the resting muscle energy. What does it mean? Well, you'll find out next time. See you then.